Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. All right, well, thank you, Precious. Good to see everybody this morning. Um, Thanks for waking up. Can we just say that? How, who, may, how, who, <laughs> who wishes they were still in bed, maybe? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was an early morning, and um, we actually uh, stayed up a little bit later than we normally do. We've got a couple friends, our friends uh, that were in our small group, Tyler and Amber uh, from Traverse City, Michigan, are here. Why don't we welcome them? <laughs> they are going to just be uh, spending the day with us and um, headed back home, and uh, they just decided to stop by and... Uh, and enjoy some time with us on the way. So glad, glad that they are here, as well as um, those of you that may be here for the first time or are new to our church. We're glad you're here as well. We've been in a series, and um, as you can see, we've entitled it, with just crossing out hurry, um, The Elimination of Hurry. And um, this has been something that I think has, has resonated with, um, with a lot of us, certainly has with me. And, um, and so we are going to continue this series. We're in week three this morning, and um, we're going to be talking about how to um, practice some spiritual disciplines. That's what we're going to be covering over the next, uh, I think it's three weeks after this left in our series. And um, spiritual disciplines are, are not the fruit of the Spirit. That's, that's not what they are. Um, they're not a, just a list of do's and don'ts. Um, they're not that either. They're basically disciplines that we follow as Jesus Christ followers um, to act and live as he did. Um, scripture says that, uh, that whoever says that he abides in Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked. And so that's what spiritual disciplines are. And we're going to be talking about one of those spiritual disciplines this morning. So why don't we have a word of prayer? And let's ask God just to to reveal in our hearts how we can walk as Jesus walked, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you that we are here this morning. We also thank you that, um, Lord, you woke us up. Lord, even though though it's a little bit hard as we uh, move these clocks forward, God, um, we just just pray that uh, we'd be awake and alive this morning to hear your word. Pray that your spirit would just uh, open it up to us and reveal to us, Lord, areas of our life that uh, we can walk as you have walked, that we might follow your example, and um, God, that um, we might be changed this morning. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, um, this morning, as I said, we're going to be talking about spiritual disciplines. The first spiritual discipline we're going to be talking about this morning is the practice of silence and solitude. Okay. And so you may be like, I've never heard of that before. Um, Just to explain it, what we're going to do just for the next 30 minutes this morning is we're going to spend it in some silence and solitude. Are you ready? Okay. Here we go. One, two, three. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. For <laughs> Actually, I did some research uh, this week that it said that the amount of time that it takes for us to start to feel awkward is about four seconds. The amount of time that, that it takes for us to feel awkward with silence is about four seconds. And, and you know, as, as you can already see and you, you understand, we as Americans especially are uncomfortable with silence, a sustained time spent in quiet and alone. We live in a culture that is just jam-packed full of busyness. Here's, here's what most of our days look like. Can I just describe it for us for a second? We wake up, and you know what the first thing that we look at is? What is it? The time, maybe. <laughs> our phone. Who does that? Just raise your hand, okay? Wow. Yeah, that's, that's probably 90% of us here, right? Yeah, I do it. Um, I actually have um, tried to practice putting my phone in another room 
Um, and somehow it's made its way back into the bedroom where my charger is again. I don't know how, but um, I've got to do that again because I find myself then, yeah, looking at my phone, checking my notifications, scrolling through some social media, seeing what happened while I was asleep, checking the news, you know. We wake up and we look at our phone. What a depressing thing. <laughs> well, second, we get out of bed. We might flip on the TV, watch some of the latest news while we make breakfast. And if you have kids, they may be running around, playing games, crying, whining, blaring the TV. If you have young kids, blaring that nasty cocoa melon or whatever they're watching these days, right? <laughs> Oh, man, got to love being a parent. And even if we get a moment of quiet, we actually, what we tend to do is we, we pull out our phone, okay? And we, we start scrolling it again. Well, we, we after breakfast, we, we get into our car. We probably turn on the radio. We listen to a news program, turn on a podcast, listen to Spotify. We listen to music. Our ears are consumed with noise. We get to work. There's meetings, text messages, emails, phone calls, personal conversations, interruptions, you know, or we're constantly working on a project and our mind is consumed with that, right? And even if we get a moment to break, we usually pull out our phone again and we scroll social media. We look at the latest news. We look at the latest updates. Well, our day continues like that into the evening as we get home, make dinner, turn on a game, uh, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a show that we like to watch, a TV show that we like to watch. Maybe it's a book or we take a class or we're playing video games or we're scrolling some more social media to consume the quiet. Some of us, we live days and weeks and years like this, don't we? And if I were to ask you how many of you can name for me a sustained time of quiet that you have spent in the last year or two or three, you would be actually hard-pressed to be able to tell me that you have actually intentionally ever done that, to sit alone in silence. It's true of me, and I think it's true for you. A lot of us struggle with this, and I, I don't think it's just because of technology, though. I believe it is because our enemy loves to distract us, and when our attention is stolen, the voice of God can be drowned out. And that's why it's important for us to understand this practice of silence and solitude that we're going to be talking about this morning. Silence and solitude, I believe, is one of the most important, important spiritual disciplines that we see Jesus practice and that he modeled for us so that we could practice, but is often the most neglected. And so, whether you're aware of it or not, what you need to know is that your soul longs to be fully connected to God, to be present with Him, to hear from Him, to dwell deeply into a relationship with Him. And so this morning, we're going to learn how to practice this spiritual discipline, and I want to be really practical with you. I've entitled my message this, How to Find Solitude in a World full of noise. How to find solitude in a world full of noise. And so I want to just take us to scripture to begin with. We're going to take uh, Psalm 46 as an example for us. So if you have your Bible, why don't you open it up there, Psalm 46. Turn there with me. And uh, what I want to do in this psalm is I want to just uh, help you see some of the promises of our God to us about his character. And I also want us to see how we can use silence and solitude to experience these promises in our daily life. So here we go. Psalm 46, verse 1. It says this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. Now, as we uh, look at how this psalmist begins, he describes our God 
as a God who is our refuge and strength. What is a refuge? It's a, it's a place that we run to to find shelter. It's a place that we go to for protection, a place that we go to in a time of danger, a, a place that is safe for us. God is our refuge. And then second, he is our strength. God is our refuge and strength. What is strength? It means that God is the one who sustains us, empowers us for what is to come. You know, we, we live in some very uncertain days. There's war going on between Russia and Ukraine. There's economic instability. There's continual inflation. Uh, you can't turn on the TV without seeing that the gas prices are raising up more and more and more. We live in a day of uncertainty, not to mention what's going on in your personal life that is uncertain. And our God is a refuge. He's a strength. He is a very present help in trouble. So in times of trouble, what, what, I, what I know is that I realize my need for God more and more and more. I see that in a deeper way that I am completely dependent on him. And for many of the Psalms, these writers wrote from a place of, of pain and trouble. If you, if you know David, you'll know that he wrote a lot of the Psalms when he was being pursued by King Saul because David had been anointed to be the next king of Israel, and Saul did not, didn't, didn't like that. And so David ran as, as a fugitive because Saul wanted to kill him, and he didn't know if he was going to have tomorrow. He didn't. And he wrote from this deep place of, of trouble and pain, and he expressed over and over again his dependence on God. What well, goes on to say this, therefore we will not fear. Therefore is a response to who God is, to his character, his promises. Because God is our strength and our refuge, therefore we will not fear. You'll notice as the verses go on, there's a contrast that we're going to see between verses 2 and 3 and then 4 and 5. In 2 and 3, we see there's mountains being thrown down into the sea. There's water roaring and foaming and destruction and upheaval and terror and uncertainty. Certainly the opposite of peace. But then we get to verse 4. Verse 4 says this. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. So the psalmist describes for us what he knows about the city of God. He says that this city is, is a place where God is present, where his kingdom rules. And there's a big difference that he describes between roaring and foaming and crashing and destruction, right? This world that we live in. He says, in this city of God... There is a river. There is a river. A river with streams. And this is a picture of flourishing. You can think of the Ohio River and you can think of all these streams that, that make their way into the Ohio River. And you see how all these areas flourish and they're green in the summertime. And that's the picture that we're getting. A picture of flourishing. This is also a kingdom that it says will not be moved. What a contrast to the world that we live in. Can disrupt or displace God's kingdom. It can't. Psalm 46, verses 6 and 7, go on and say, read on with me. Nations rage. Kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. Now, nations fight and rage. It says kingdoms rise and fall. Think about this. What we see going on in our world today, there's war going on. This is not a new thing. This has been going on since the creation of the world. Nations fight and rage. Countries rise up. Countries fall. Presidents are elected. Presidents also are voted out. Power rises power falls. This is the world that we live in today. There is constant change. There's constant uncertainty 
in our culture. That's, that's the reality of today. But are you ready for some good news? It says, he utters his voice and the earth melts. That's crazy. I mean, think about that. That's who our God is. All God has to do to exercise his omnipotent power is to speak. That's our God. And he says, the Lord of hosts is with us. You know what a host is? It's a heavenly army. Could be translated, the God of angel armies is with us. That's our God. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then there's this word. It's the second time we see it in this psalm. It's the word Selah. And what it means is just to rest, reflect, be quiet. To look back on what has just been said and take it in. Take it into your soul and rest upon it. Verse 8. He says, Come behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. Think about that. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He can break the bow. He can shatter the spear. He can also burn up tanks and all those other things, missiles and atomic bombs and other things like that that we worry about today. He can do that. He burns the chariots with fire. In verse 10, be still. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. What it's saying to us is just stop. Selah. Take in the presence of God. This word be still here in verse 10 is just, it could be translated as the word cease. Cease. Stop. Just know. Just know and rest assured. Rest in the fact that I am your refuge. I am your help. I am secure. I am immovable. I am with you. That is who our God is. And that promise is not just true for the writer of this psalm. It's not just true for, for them back in Old Testament times. It is true of our God today. And it's true for you. And it's true for me. And so my question is this. After reading this psalm, let's ask this question of ourselves. Is God your refuge and your strength? Is God your refuge and your strength? And if you desire him to be that for you, which, which I certainly do, and I know that you would say that too, how do we experience him in that way? How can we experience our God as, as the Psalm 46 God, our refuge and strength? And what I want to tell you is this. It comes through the practice of silence and solitude. That's how it comes. The practice of silence and solitude is one that allows us to just slow down enough to quiet ourselves and the world, to break from the constant noise and distraction all around us and be present to experience God for who he is. See, God does not change. What we do is we get distracted from who God truly is. And the practice of silence and solitude helps us to experience God for who he is. There's a number of people that have written on this subject, and I want to just share with you a quote from an author. Her name is Ruth Haley Barton, and she wrote a book entitled The Invitation to Solitude and Silence. And um, this is a lengthy quote, so I'm just going to read it. It should be up on the screen. You can follow along with me. But she describes for us what this is. She says, The invitation to solitude and silence is just that. It's an invitation to enter more deeply into intimacy and relationship with the one who waits just outside of the noise and the busyness of our lives. It's an invitation to communication and to communion with the one who is always present, even when our awareness has been dulled by distraction. It's an invitation to the adventure of spiritual transformation. 
in the deepest places of our being, an adventure that will result in greater freedom, authenticity, and surrender to God that we have not yet experienced. And so from this, what I want to do in the rest of our time is I want to help us understand this practice of silence and solitude and and how to put it into effect in your daily lives. I've got three questions that we're going to ask and answer And here's where you can start taking some notes. If you want to take this home and apply it in a personal way to your life, that's the goal of this. I want this to be really, really practical for us. First question is this, what is silence and solitude? Second question, why should we practice it? And then how should we practice it? So let's look at the first. What is silence and solitude? You may be like, well, that's pretty self-explanatory. When we talk about silence, you're like, isn't it just being quiet? Well, Let's get a little bit deeper, okay? And if you're taking notes, you can see this. Practicing silence and solitude is done by eliminating external and internal noise. Eliminating external and internal noise, okay? Let's talk about external noise first because I think we deal with this constantly. This is the noise in our environment. This is the noise that's all around us. Maybe it's music, it's television, it's podcasts, it's maybe it's your kids or your spouse or your roommate or that, that sound that is just all around you throughout your day. And your goal in silence is to minimize this external noise. That's what your goal is. This may mean getting up early going out into nature, leaving your phone behind and going on a walk, escaping to that part of the house where you know that your kids can't find you. (laughs) My wife does that all the time. One of the biggest blessings is that um, we actually, when we moved to New Martinsville, coming back here, we actually made friends with our neighbor who comes to church here on and off, and um, his name is Dick, and he's got a hill that he owns out behind our house, and on top of that hill, guess what? He's got a just a 20 by 20 old-fashioned cabin. No electricity, no water, no toilets, just, just bare-bones cabin, okay? But it has the most beautiful view of New Martinsville, and if you ever come to our home, I'd love to invite you up there, but he, he's given us an open invitation. He said, You go up there whenever you want, anytime you want, night or day, you're welcome, anytime. And usually, I think we're probably the only ones that that end up getting up there. I think we're there almost once a week. But what I have found is that I have a hard time eliminating this external noise. But one way that I've, I've found to do that is by leaving my phone at home and walking up the hill, and it's a hike, it's a big hike, but then I can sit on that front porch of that cabin, overlook New Martinsville, and it's totally quiet. There's going to be no interruptions, and I know that. I've eliminated that external noise. And that's the first part of silence and solitude. You're eliminating external noise. In fact, I, I, I did this just this past Friday. Spent a couple hours up there, and it was, it was really good. It was really good for my soul. We actually, um, Jesus himself modeled this for us. I've got a scripture that that will show this to you. In uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says that Jesus um, rose very early in the morning, and while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. They didn't know where he went to. And when they had found him, and they found him, and they said to him, everyone's looking for you. You see what Jesus did? And he did this often. He went out to places that nobody was there. He got quiet. He left everybody behind. He left his ministry. He left his disciples behind. He didn't even tell them where he was going. And he was gone for long periods of time just to have that silence and solitude with God. So silence. Practicing silence is done by eliminating external noise, but here's the second thing you need to do. It's done by eliminating both external and internal noise. And this is the more important and difficult one that we need to practice. 
Many of, our, many, many of us find ourselves with a constant internal commentary running through our head, right? And um, this is basically a conversation that we have with ourselves, and you're not crazy, okay? Um, this, you just talk to yourself all day long, and your brain keeps active, reminding you of things that you want to think about. Maybe it's worry or fear or uncertainty or, or insecurity, um, it could be even uh, replaying conversations that you have had over and over in your head, thinking of better and better comebacks. Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, thinking of things that you said that you actually regret and wishing that you could have said them in a different way. I think we all do that, right? It could be uh, a constant running of your to-do list. I know that in the morning when I sit down to try and read my Bible, guess what? I... I find myself getting distracted by just a running list of things, people I need to call, things I need to do, things I want to accomplish, something I need to buy, products that I need to order to get, get here so that they're here by the next, you know, few, in, in the next few days so that we can accomplish the tasks that we're trying to get done. And I find myself with this constant internal noise in my head that keeps me from focusing on what I'm doing at the time. I think you're there with me. We're distracted. And so, so we need to work to quiet the noise in our head. I'm going to help you with that toward the end of my message. And so practicing silence is made up of minimizing external noise and internal noise. Second, solitude, and this is really important, it's spent alone with God. Solitude is time spent alone with God. So we talked about silence, okay, external and internal noise. But solitude is that we're not just being quiet just to be quiet. It's time to be spent alone with God. I, I don't know about you, but there, there are probably some of you that maybe are saying, I feel very isolated right now in my life. Maybe you're homebound, or maybe because of the pandemic, you're working from home a lot. You don't see people often during the day. Um, some of you are the total opposite. You're just like, man, I wish I could get away from people, okay? I'm talking to you, though, if, if you feel kind of isolated right now. Solitude is not the same thing as isolation. Um, isolation is, is, is uh, not healthy for you. Solitude is healthy for you. In fact, there, there was a, a man by the name of Richard Foster who wrote a book, The Celebration of Discipline, and he said this, that loneliness is inner emptiness and solitude is inner fulfillment. See, isolation and loneliness are, are not the same thing as solitude. If you're feeling lonely, you should be getting around people. You should seek to, to be around people and be in that community. Even coming to church, I, I think uh, these past evenings, we experienced some great community working together. That was wonderful. And we're doing it again this coming week. But solitude is not just only time alone with yourself. It is time to be alone with God. That's what it is. And so what is silence and solitude? Intentional time to be quiet and alone with God. So now that you understand what it is, the second question is this. Why should we practice it? Why should you and I practice silence and solitude? There are many reasons why we should make this a regular practice in our life, but, but I want to just give you three. And the first one is this. Because we are distracted. If you're taking notes, we are distracted. Now, there have been incredible advances in technology that we have made in the past 30 to 40 years, and I am not unaware of those things, even, even as we talk about it today. I mean, we've got the technology of, of cameras and a wireless microphone, and as I speak, my voice is being transmitted wirelessly into a digital mixer that's being sent to speakers, that's being sent to a camera and put together and, and uploaded onto the internet, sent all over the world. And, uh, and this is just in a matter of seconds. It's amazing what technology has done. But there has also been some very serious consequences to technology today, haven't there been? Most of us 
we walk around with a computer in our pocket. And if you're really serious, you walk around with a, with a little device on your arm that keeps you constantly distracted. You're constantly receiving buzzes or notifications or dings or tweets or who knows what on that phone or on that watch. And it's constantly pulling your attention away from what you're doing in the moment. And I believe that um, our attention span has shrunk dramatically in these past 30 to 40 years. In fact, I did some, some current research. One study showed that our attention span has shrunk to eight seconds. And just for comparison, we always compare it to a goldfish, and I don't know why we do that, but whatever, it's a thing. You know how, how long the attention span of a goldfish is? Nine seconds. So the goldfish is beating us now, okay? That's the reality, though, today. And, and that's why even you'll see on YouTube, they've introduced what is called as, as shorts. You'll see YouTube shorts, little short 10-second clips that, uh, that they'll just one after the other, after the other, after the other. And you, you watch them. You'll watch them for hours because they're keeping your attention. They are. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, they, they've introduced um, what we know as reels. And these are things that just short, you know, 10-second, 5-second clips that just are fast-paced and they hold your attention on their platform so that they can sell you more ads. Basically, you are the product, if you didn't know that, okay? You are the product on these, on these social media platforms. They are selling to you, okay? And so... What we realize as we see how our attention span has shortened and, and how technology consumes our life is what we see is this, is that what we worship, is that we worship what we give our time, money, and attention to. We worship what we give our time, money, and attention to. If you want to find out what you worship, just trace it back over your week and figure out what did you give your time, your money, and your attention to. See, silence and solitude, it's this intentional act of giving our attention and therefore our worship to God. That's why we should practice it. Because we are distracted. It's number one, we're distracted. Number two, it's because we're desperate. We are desperate. If you didn't know this, you are a spiritual being. You are created by God in his image with a soul. And that soul has been created for communion and for union with the God who created you. And that's why you, you feel this hole in, in your life and you try and fill it with different things. You, you try, and, try and attempt to, to satisfy your soul's longing with sex or money or pleasure or achievement or education, or advancement in your career, only to end up feeling more desperate than you did at first. Remember when Jesus met with that woman at the well? Yeah? Remember the question he asked her? He said, he said uh, hey, go, go get your husband. And she was like, well, uh, I, I can't right now. And he's like, eh, in fact, yeah, I, I know this. You, you've had five husbands, Right? She'd been trying to fill her soul's longing with a relationship. And that relationship had failed every single time. You might be in a faithful marriage, but guess what? That marriage is not going to do it for you, okay? Just because you've been married for 40 or 50 years does not mean that you're good with God and that your soul's longings are satisfied. No. Some of you that are waiting to be married or, or wanting to be married, you're thinking, oh, when I get there, then my, I'm going to be satisfied. Guess what? You are not. You are not. Jesus then goes on to say this. You need something else. You need some living water. And that woman's like, what? Like, uh, I can draw for you water right here. He's like, no, you're going to drink this water. You're going to be thirsty again. He said, he said, you need water from me. You need water so that you will not thirst Again, that water comes from me. That's, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about getting the living water, Jesus himself. So we're distracted, and second, we're desperate. But then third, we see it modeled. We've already talked about one, one occasion where we see it modeled by Jesus, but 
all throughout the Bible, we see different characters modeling silence and solitude for us, and even God calling people into places of silence and solitude. One example is from 1 Kings chapter 19, 11, and 12, and it's the story of Elijah. And Elijah was fleeing for his life from Queen Jezebel, who wanted to kill him. He was, he was in a funk. He was in a spiritual depression. He was taking the weight of his situation upon himself, and God invited him up a mountain to come and meet with him. And here's, here's what happens. On this mountain, as, as Elijah is meeting with God, it says, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the, after, after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. So a wind blows. An earthquake happens, a fire burns, but God is not in the wind or the earthquake or the fire. He's in the gentle whisper. We also, throughout scripture, see this call to listen and be quiet. I'm just going just gonna to pour some scripture on you right now. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 1 says this, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. This is something for us. We're coming to the house of God. We're coming to worship him. To draw near to listen is better than to offer me the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. You know that we can come into God's house and we can offer a sacrifice of fools. We can be here praising God and singing real loud, but, but God just sees it as foolishness. He, he, he does. He can see that. We've got to make sure we've check, checked our heart as we're coming to worship God. Sometimes it's better just to come to God. He says it right here. And just be quiet. Draw near to listen. Listen to me. Psalm 37.7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Psalm 62, verse 1, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Isaiah 30, 15, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling. And finally, we, we also see it modeled in the life of Jesus. Luke 5, 15 through 16 says, But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. As we said, Jesus did this all over the, all over the place. And, and uh, we don't really have time to talk about all the accounts of where Jesus modeled this for us. But if Jesus needed to do it, if he knew that it was necessary in his relationship with God, how much more is it necessary for us? So just to review, why should we practice silence and solitude? We are desperate. We are dis we are, we're distracted. We're desperate. And we see it modeled. That's why. And so finally, I want to just take us to this third question. With this third question, we are going to get immensely practical here this morning, because I believe that as we're talking about this, you all realize that this is a struggle for you. It's a struggle for me. And how do we actually practice this in our daily lives? I want to give you some practical tips. How do we practice it? How do we find time to implement silence and solitude in our daily lives. Here we go. Number one, find moments long and short. Find moments long and short. As you begin to practice silence and solitude, why don't you just take some time and, and make a plan for it. You have to plan for it. You can't just say, oh, maybe sometime today I'll do it. No, you've got to make a plan for it. I've learned that, that you've got to, it's a concept called scheduling the big rocks. You've got to put all the big rocks in first before you put the small rocks in. If you put all the small rocks in first, then all the big rocks aren't going to fit. So you've got to schedule the big rocks, right? You've got to schedule those things that are really important to you. 
And so schedule yourself out for, for five minutes, or maybe it's 15 minutes, or maybe it's half an hour. If you want to take an hour, or you want to take a whole day, and you say, I'm just going to give this whole day, I'm going to get away, I'm going to go to that cabin in the woods, okay? But you got to schedule it. you got to plan those times long, and then plan those times also, also short. There are short moments throughout our week that we can take advantage of. It might be your drive to work that you just decide, I'm not going to turn on the radio. I'm not going to turn on that, that uh, podcast. I'm not going to turn on music. I'm just going to spend it alone with God. I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to listen to God through this time. Some of you guys have a drive to work. Maybe it's uh, those uh, 10 minutes sitting in your car waiting for your kids to get out of school or out of practice. We have these moments short in our day. Maybe it's, uh, I'll just say the obvious, it may be that uh, 30 seconds to 15 minutes that you spend in the bathroom. Think about it. Some of us, we've started practice of pulling out our phone when we're in the bathroom. And that moment, we could take and spend alone in quiet talking to God. We could. Seems kind of funny, but it works. It works. So steal those moments away. Steal those moments back that, that you know that you would, you would take it and you'd pull out your phone and you'd revert to social media scrolling. Steal those, steal those moments back for silence and for solitude. And then you may be asking yourself, okay, so when I do that, when I find these moments long and short in my day, what do I actually do? What do I actually do? Do I just sit and be quiet and get bored and bore myself to death? Okay, well, there is some value in that because we're so addicted to having constant noise in our lives. Sometimes it's just breaking that addiction that's healthy for us. But, but here's, some, here's some things that, that I want you to do is this. Number two, turn off your phone. Turn off your phone. This is what you do when you find this moment. Turn off your phone. Put it in another room if you can. There's study actually out that, um, that says that, that even if your phone is off, but in your pocket or with you in the same room, you are still going to be distracted by it. And I would say that it's also the same thing for a TV in your room. If you have a TV, even if it's off, um, it can still be, you know how that TV just kind of stares at you, telling you, hey, turn me on, turn me on, turn me on, right? <laughs> it could be that way as well. And so find a room where there is no technology, no screens in it, and steal that moment away for, for God. Number three, sit and take some deep breaths. Sometimes what it takes is just slowing ourself down, slowing our mind down. And uh, what, what I would call this, I'm going to just give you a little tutorial on this. It's called taking a box breath. This has helped me calm down. Some of you are nodding your head. Yeah, okay. So here's what it is. You're going to take... A short breath in over four seconds through your nose, okay? You're going to hold it for four seconds, and then you're going to breathe it out. It's 11.09, time to pray. <laughs> I love it every week, Rhonda. <laughs> so four seconds in, four second hold, four second out, four second hold, okay? And so let's just practice it right now. Let's just do it right now. Four seconds in. Hold. Out. Four seconds. And hold. Four seconds in. Hold. Four seconds out. And hold. And you can feel yourself calming down, can't you? Just practice that for a few minutes. When you get that time alone and quiet, it's actually really good for your brain. It actually brings some, some oxygen to your brain, refuels you a little bit. But then don't just stop there because that's, that's part of silence. But we haven't gotten to the solitude yet, have we? The solitude comes when, when we spend time with God. And so maybe take, take some phrases of Scripture that you know. Take some things that you know about God. Maybe you can take Psalm 46, and you can just breathe these things in. 
God is my refuge. Just breathe it in. And just hold on it. God is my strength. He is my help. I will not fear. And you can do that with phrases of Scripture. You can meditate on them. And the whole point is that you're just connecting them. You're internalizing them with God. Okay? You can also take longer passages if you want to take a whole verse. A verse like we looked at last week. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I love reading plans. And you should be doing that. I mean, it's a good practice, but this is not the time to go through a whole read the Bible in a year plan, okay? This is, this is it's, it's really about just settling your mind and listening to God, okay? The fifth thing, take some time and just sit and listen. This is important. Don't just talk all the time. Don't, don't, don't constantly just have your mind active. You need to just sit and listen to God. Maybe you're going through a time of life or a season in life where you're looking for some answers from God. You're looking for direction or discernment. Maybe it's, maybe it's just that you need to search your heart and ask, ask God, God, am I living as a disciple of you in alignment with how you've called me? God, is there any sin in my life? Take some time just to sit and to listen. And then number six, sit with a piece of paper and a pen. God tells you something, write it down. Sometimes, as I said, your mind gets active on a to-do list, and if that also happens, write those things down so you don't have to remember them anymore and get back focused on what you're doing. And then number seven, and this is the last one, aim for consistency, not for perfection. This is going to be a muscle that needs to be exercised. This is, this is something that you are not going to be good at right away. I like to be good at things right away, but sometimes it just takes hours and hours and hours of practice. You're going to try it, and you're going to get distracted, but don't let that discourage you. Maybe you sit down for five minutes, and three of those minutes are spent uh, thinking about your to-do list. Don't get discouraged. Be consistent with it. The goal with silence and solitude is to grow your capacity to be alone with God, to be still and know that he is God, to experience God as your refuge and strength. So why don't we stand together? Let's pray together as we close. I want to invite the worship team to come on forward right now. And uh, let's, let's bow, our, bow our heads and close our eyes. In Psalm 46... We see God's character as one who is our refuge, our strength, our fortress, present help in time of trouble, whose power and strength are unmatched. That is our God. And what I want you to hear this morning is that God wants to meet with you. I want you to know that. And he showed that to you by coming down from heaven to earth to live with us. Because of Jesus' death and his resurrection, that barrier of sin that separates you from God has been destroyed so that your soul can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so this invitation to silence and solitude is not just to another thing to add to your to-do list. It's not just another thing that uh, you should add to a religious burden to carry. Instead, it's an invitation to step into peace, to step into Jesus, who is the presence of God, to find your deepest rest and joy in him. And so as we close and pray together, ask yourself, have I entered into that rest by repenting of my sins, and placing my faith in Jesus. If not, today is the day of salvation. You can come to him. Trust in him as your savior today. And if you do know him, maybe ask yourself this question. Are you resting each day in God as your refuge 
in your strength. Let's take some moments of silence right now and just pray. Ask God, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me right now? Father, thank you that you, Jesus, are our peace, our rest, our hope. Thank you, God, that you have made a way back to God for us. Thank you that we can receive it in faith. God, I pray a blessing over our church right now. God, I know that, that we are struggling with the constant noise and distraction of today. God, I pray that they would be able to steal away moments with you for silence and solitude. God, that their soul might be renewed in your peace and in your love this week. God, that they come to find their rest in you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for meeting with us in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.